Sometimes life feels out of our control. We get stuck in trauma, old patterns, and change feels out of reach. Sometimes it feels like fate. We want to help you break out of old, unhelpful patterns and become healthier. We're fate resilience, taking control of the outcome. With licensed therapists, Jennifer Oxford, Taylor Madsen, Haley Mayer. So today we are going to finally tell you what is attachment. We've been teasing for how many episodes in the This is all we have over our people, so we like to use it as much as possible. Our knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely not our regulation skills. (laughs) We don't have anything else. We have nothing else to give you. I certainly don't. (laughs) But no, I think it's funny because it's kind of like chicken or the egg when it comes to emotions and attachment and things like that. It's like, which one do we start out with, right? Yeah, because attachment is an emotional bond. Yeah. And then we need to know what emotions are, but you could also start with attachment because that's how um, healthy your emotions can be based off of your attachment. So it's just so all over. So it's not necessarily the point of that. We need to um, say that this comes next. It They're both kind of in tangent, but it worked. So if you think after listening to this, attachment should have come first, go dive into some hot springs, come back and listen to attachment, and then go back and listen to emotions. Yeah, just pretend that you move it around a little bit. But yeah. I like that we're talking about emotions. I like that we talked about emotions first because it gave us some verbiage around what we're going to talk about with attachment, which is that bonding and that interaction. Because Mm -hmm. if we talk about the interaction without understanding what emotions are going to come up, that might be hard. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those emotions come from different attachments, too. Now, the emotional bond is made up of three parts. There's proximity maintenance, is that you want to be next to someone. Uh, safety, uh, that they're safe, uh, physically safe, emotionally safe. And then uh, that they are like a good home base from which to go out and explore the world, try new things. Mm-hmm. When we have these three things, they're a good emotional bond, healthy emotional bond. So let's talk about the proximity maintenance, because one of the things you said is we want to be close to people, but sometimes we grow up and we have situations. There are people in our lives we actually don't want because they don't feel safe or they're not um, healthy or vice versa. There are people we want to be in our proximity, but aren't. And this can cause attachment wounding, just the idea of being removed from our family. So anytime that there's a significant removal from your primary caregivers, that can create attachment wounding because it is the change in proximity. Mm-hmm. I think along with what you're saying too, it's with what you're saying to that proximity status, actually, it doesn't have to be due to only one person like proximity could be because we decided to make the proximity could be because they decided could be because of outside environmental so that's something to be aware of too that often with attachment we'll look at things and say you know i have attachment issues and it's only because of mom it's only because of dad it's only because of me right and looking at it and saying there's also that kind of third outside area too where it's environmental right like maybe i live in a low economic area And, you know, due to needing to have my parents working three jobs, 
they're not able to be present and it's not really their fault. They're doing the basics of what they need to. It's the, it's the environment that I'm in, or maybe it's the idea that there's an earthquake and I'm literally separated from my family. That's going to cause attachment issues, but it's not because my family's like, we chose to be on this side of the earthquake and you chose to be over here. So it's your fault. Right. So I think it's good to notice, like, it doesn't have to be because someone made a cognitive effort to have an attachment difficulty. Sometimes people replace uh, emotional presence um, and physical presence with uh, material presence. Mm-hmm. They buy, yeah, that was a lot of presences in one sentence. There's presence in the presence. <laughs> yes. They uh, buy gifts to make up for physical and emotional absence. And that results in um, emotional abandonment. Um, unhealthy attachment. Um, parents sometimes do that to make up for uh, guilt that they feel for not being there. Um, or they think that uh, an elaborate vacation will make up for long work hours or uh, being involved in other things. And unfortunately, uh, material presence doesn't make up for emotional and physical proximity. Mm-hmm. So this makes me think of what a healthy versus unhealthy attachment is. And it comes from the identification that we as human beings have basic needs mm-hmm. and we have physical and emotional needs, right? So in an attachment cycle, when somebody has a need, it's about how their caregiver and or partner meets that need. So if I say, I need love, and they said, here's a pony, that may not work for everybody. That doesn't meet everybody's love need. I need connection and belonging. Here is a visa card. That won't work for others. And vice versa. Here's love and belonging, but you don't have a roof over your head and you don't have food to eat. These, This is going to lead to that feeling that my needs aren't getting met. And so I can't, this moves from proximity into safety. I can't feel safe in this relationship. So in a cycle... What happens is, is we ask for a need, mostly indirectly, the caregiver responds. If the need is met, then that builds attachment. If the need is not met, usually we'll ask again in some kind of bid. We see this in babies with crying louder. Maybe we move into um, just another approach to our partner. And if the need is met, then that can repair. That repairs the rupture of it not being met. But if it doesn't get met again, that's where we go into rage and or apathy in the relationship. And that's what leads to attachment wounding is, is that we have needs that are not being met. Uh, so one of my favorite experiments was done a long time ago. They gave baby monkeys um, attachment figures, essentially. They gave them two parents. One was uh, like a towel, warm blanket in the shape of a monkey. Mm-hmm. And then in the same cage, they had a wireframe monkey that would occasionally give it food and the monkey would always spend its time with the soft warm monkey and only leave it to get food when it absolutely needed it and this is a really good example of when we are supplying physical needs like but you know you have a car or you have food um i am providing for you why isn't that enough Mm. and because we have emotional needs as well that's why it's not enough and we may be really excellent financial providers, but we may not be emotional providers and attachment needs, both 
physical needs and emotional needs met. Well, and even just validating emotional needs comes from what we've talked about before can be multi-generational patterns of either invalidating or over-validating because of trauma, because of abuse, those kinds of things. And so even if you personally think, okay, I'm meeting their needs. We've got we've got good. Every once in a while, we get to go to Target and get something extra. And then we move into this place of saying, but then their emotional needs are too much. If I personally, as an adult, don't have my emotional needs taken care of and my kids, especially as they get older and more complex, start to say, I need the feeling of belonging or I need the feeling of connection or I need the feeling of approval, then we don't necessarily have the skills to help them find those needs and get those needs met in healthy ways. And what happens often is that society can say, I have a great option for approval. Let's set up a social media page and see how many likes you can get. And that doesn't actually meet their need but it is a false way of getting approval. And so they often get sucked into that when we can't teach them healthy ways to get approval, connection and belonging. You bring up a good point with that too, of just the wanting of approval when someone's not physically there and how to get it, right? Um, There's a kid's book called The Invisible String. I don't know if you guys have read it before. It's a really great book. It's uh, so it's about like, so this mom's explaining to her two kids about attachment and she's explaining to them, she's saying things like they're saying, well, how do I know when you're not there that you still love me and that you're still connected to me? And she said, oh, we're all connected by this invisible string. Right. And so when you're in school and you're not with me and you feel like you're alone, you can tug on that invisible string and you're going to feel that I'm connected to you and vice versa. And sometimes you'll feel me tugging on it to remind you that I care. Sometimes you'll tug on it. Yeah. And so it's this whole idea. And then it also talks about how like, no matter where you are in the world, you'll always be connected by this invisible string. Essentially, she's explaining this whole concept of a healthy attachment, right? Of no matter what, we're still going to be attached in some way, even if you're not getting that immediate validation from me in this moment of me coming and telling you those things, we need to be aware that we can still be attached and have it be a good nurturing moment. She talks about too in it of like, you know, those who've passed on are also connected by the invisible string and that that doesn't diminish. So I think with this idea, especially with social media, we have such a hard time. We have such a hard time knowing when we are alone, how to still be connected while not having someone immediately in our face. So with this attachment issue, when I see all the social media things, it's not so much that kids are bored. I don't think it's so much that. I think it's the idea that they don't know how to be alone and know that they can still be connected to different people if they're not physically in front of them on a screen or in person. That brings up the idea too, Haley, of this idea of too often in families, we focus too much on behavior And we've talked about this a little bit before about how a perfectly behaved kid is not necessarily a healthy kid yeah. because behavior is not, it's about approval. Often kids will behave to get approval, but if kids don't know how to get approval when they're not perfect, that leads to people pleasing and or rebellion and and other things that really are kind of the bane of parenting when we don't recognize what we need to do is we need to work on how do we build in this healthy attachment so when my kid is struggling with perfectionism they still know they're loved or if they're struggling with rebellion they know okay I'm gonna rebel but mom and dad still love me is really an important part of what we'll go into in future episodes is figuring that out I think 
along with that too, it's the idea that back to kind of what we mentioned briefly in the beginning, we all need attachment. It's not this feeling of, well, some people need to know what their attachment is because it's more important to them. Introverts, extroverts, you know, people who have social anxiety, those who don't, everyone needs attachment in some way. And in everything we do, we're trying to achieve that ideally, right? We're trying to gain some sort of attachment. And so I think some people keep thinking that this applies to other people because they've learned how to, you know, self-regulate and self-cope and not have to deal with that. But we're talking about a universal principle and it doesn't matter what your background is. It's going to apply to you in some way. And this goes back to Haley, what you said a couple episodes ago, which is that attachment is not about being the right attachment type because we are going to go into different types of attachment. Mm -hmm. It's about understanding your attachment style and then knowing how to work with that style and getting bids and responses from your attachment figures. It has nobody is better or worse. There's not a preference necessarily. It's about can you figure out what works for you and why and then start to negotiate what that looks like in your own relationships. I would say to that, though, that attachment therapy and trauma work will move you from avoidant, anxious, and fearful to a secure attachment. Your attachment style can change. It can change, yeah. But I think in the moment with what Jennifer's referring to what I said, um, it's this idea that if you acknowledge you're an anxious attachment, instead of looking at it and saying or avoidant. Yeah. Instead of Yes, which we know many people like that, right? Certainly no one on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, none of our people come to us for attachment issues. Um, I was talking about us three. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And us three, we don't know it at all. But I think within this situation, there's an interesting phenomenon where when you accept that you have a certain attachment type and you learn how to work within it, you actually become more secure. Right. And so it's not so much that secure. I, I have reframed it for myself, at least to see secure attachment is in its own attachment in its own little secure area, as opposed to the other ones. Secure attachment really is kind of like what we talk about with recovery with our addiction people, right? It's this really huge space and spectrum, but it's the one that is the healthiest outcomes within it and the healthiest means. Well, and in saying that, we I hear a lot of people say, you know, my spouse is this attachment and I'm this. And somehow that means something about the only way our relationship works or yeah, that we either complete each other or that this is the only way it can work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or we or we can't work because we don't have the same attachment styles. Yeah. And and I, I would caution you to say healthy attachment is possible. I have seen it in, in multiple dyads of different types of attachment styles, including people who do have really severe in the, I would say extreme and the avoidant or the anxious attachment styles that they can usually point to healthy attachments that have been in their past um, and what that looks like. Now, how to create it in their current present is something is a skill they usually need to learn. But yeah. that is one of the one of the things we need to that we'll talk about too is because then we move into this idea of codependent of I actually need someone else to regulate me mm-hmm. which is a type which is a type of attachment disruption meaning that I haven't fully healed from my attachment traumas I'm now using another person to cope 
Yeah, which is never a good idea. So for them or for you. And that's because people are human and not capable of being a towel monkey or a cage monkey giving food. They will make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Well, good thing I never have. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to introduce Taylor what it's like to make mistakes right now. No. Jen's um, smiling really big. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of a witty comeback for that you All have my mistakes, made mistakes are just running before your eyes. Kind of like the blood on your face when you hit your head. <laughs> that wasn't an anxious attachment moment for you at all. That no, wasn't like, please let me let me get my needs met by performing for girls to the point that I gave myself Look, head injuries. Peacocking isn't necessarily an, att- an and anxious attachment. <laughs> we're obviously creating not a for everyone attachment with Taylor right now by bringing it up. <laughs> also, if you're friends with Jen, she might diagnose your attachment style on the air <laughs> this is oh by the way yeah my wife listens to these as she's falling asleep at night oh gosh so, sleep well dear <laughs> good night rachel have a secure attachment oh goodness well yeah we'll get into the next couple episodes are going to be about different attachment types and talking about that and what we need to be aware of them and come along for the ride again Thanks for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review. And if you want to find us on social media, we're on Instagram and Facebook at Fate Resilience. We'd love to hear from you.